Everybody doing okay out there so far? With all the noise and the light show and everything? Um, you know, we heard uh, Mr. Williams talk to us earlier today about how we're all in the, in the sales business. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to sell you something here. I'm going to try to sell you on the ideas of what I'm going to talk about. The only the thing about these breakout sessions, however, is I'm, I'm selling to people who have really already bought into pretty much everything I'm going to talk about. So what I'm going to need from you is your help in becoming salespeople for these things. In the Office of Safety, we, we fund a lot of research, we see a lot of research, we do a lot of research on a lot of safety features, and there comes a time, we, and that time has come for us, where it's time to take things that we know are working. I and mean, we have the data, we have the experience, and get the word out that these things are no longer experimental kind of things. These things may or may not work. These are things that really do work. And so we sent a, uh, a memorandum out to our division officers about a month ago. And you'll be hearing from them, people like Tom Smith and his staff, to go out and, and, and sell these ideas. And, and you'll see as I go along, we'd like to see these applied in a more systematic manner. Um, and I heard a lot of that here earlier today. Rather than just going out and, and chasing accidents, oh, we had an accident here, let's do something there. No, let's look at the roadway and driver characteristics of a, of a system and parts of that system and determine which of those have uh, crash potentials that can be, can be helped by some of these things. So we'll, uh, we'll move along. So we sent this guidance memorandum about a month ago on July 10th to the field office. It highlights nine proven countermeasures. And uh, they address roadway departure, intersections, and pedestrian safety, which are three of our focus areas. And, and here they are. And I'm not going to read them all to you. I'll give you a quick chance to read them yourself because I'll go briefly through them each one at a time. Uh, the first is... Um, Oh, for, I take that back. Uh, for each of these, for each of these nine countermeasures, the memo and its attachments, which I'll, at the end of the presentation, I'll show you how to access them, has a, a description of the feature, a background on it, including some of the research results, uh, guidance on when and where we feel it is appropriate to use these safety features, and a list of reference documents. And finally, contact information for Federal Highway Technical Staff. And that would be both at the headquarters staff, which is mostly my office, and at our resource center safety folks who have a lot of implementation experience and can come out, they can answer your questions, they come out and make field visits, and also to the, our research office themselves. Uh, how, any researchers in the audience here? Okay, so I can talk about them? They, <laughs> our researchers do very good work. And they're very passionate about their work. Now, if you call them for information, make sure you have some time, though, because when researchers explain something to you, it's usually quite detailed. I found that out. But they are very knowledgeable people. If you have any questions on the research on any of these things I'm going to talk about, those numbers are there. So the first one, road safety audits. Is uh, everyone familiar with what road safety audits are? Anyone familiar with what road safety audits are? Okay. On a road... I, I'm not going to spend too much time explaining what these are, but road safety audit is you get an interdisciplinary group, multidisciplinary group of folks out there. You may have some, some locals, some state highway engineers, um, enforcement people, and go out and, and look at a roadway location and decide, well, what could be done to make this safer? 
And you could even do them pre-construction. You can do it on a set of plans. So what our recommendation is, is that each state develop a policy on how they're going to use road safety laws to apply them in a systematic manner. And a policy should include which projects will you do road safety audits? Uh, when are you going to do them? At what point in the project development process will you do road safety audits? What type of projects will you do them on? Will they be projects over a certain cost, cost uh, level? Or will they be local projects or, or whatever? However you want to break it down. And who will do them? And how will the uh, audits be funded? Uh, audits that are done on a set of plans are usually relatively inexpensive. You're going to take people out to a site somewhere, then you have some travel costs involved. And then uh, the policy should also include procedures on implementing the findings. Who's going to do the report? Who's going to follow up on the report? Next is rumble strips and, uh, and rumble stripes. I'm sure you've all heard of these. They've been in place for a long time, and they do a remarkably effective job of keeping people on the road. Uh, and our policy, or our guidance, I have to be careful calling it policy, because it is guidance. Uh, we're not requiring anyone to do anything more than what they're doing in order to receive federal funds, but these are the kind of things that, that we know, based on our research and experience in other states, that will work. Uh, rumble strips should be provided on all new rural freeways and all new rural two-way highways with travel speeds of over 50 miles an hour. A new road, there's really not a reason not to have rumble strips on it. For three-hour and four-hour projects, we recommend that the policy consider installation of centerline rumble strips or rumble stripes, as some call them, because it's right on the right on centerline stripe, under certain conditions. And the policy memo attachment themselves lists some of those. Uh, some of those conditions, and they have to do with traffic, geometrics, perhaps some uh, previous crash history. And also we recommend that the three-hour and four-hour policies consider installation of continuous shoulder rumble strips under certain conditions. Medium barriers. These are cables. Uh, each state should update their medium barrier policy to be consistent with 2006 roadside design guide. Well. The Roadside Design Guide, the Chapter 6 Revision 2006, called for median barriers where the median is 50 feet or less. Now, I believe most states are now doing that, but some, some still have not updated their policy. And you have medians out there, 40 feet, 35 feet, and uh, with no barrier. And where median barriers are determined to be needed, we highly recommend that you consider using cable barriers for the reasons that uh, were just explained to us. Safety Edge. Uh, our friends from, uh, I believe, Georgia DOT developed this one. And it's, uh, it's, just, it's, a, it's a pavement wedge when you build a pavement and so that you don't have a vertical edge at the edge of pavement. Now, during construction, it has its benefits because you don't have that vertical drop-off where someone can get off and then get caught trying to get back onto the lane. Uh, so before you pull the shoulders back up, you have that advantage. But it does have a longer-term advantage, and this is what we're really after. Because if once you pull that shoulder up um, with with you know with, with dirt, it tends to erode right there at the edge, either through erosion or tire or run, tire tracks running over there, and you end up with a drop off. So if you have this sloped surface, it's a lot easier for folks to get back on, no matter how much, even if you have a slight drop off over there. 
So we'd like to see each state develop a policy for using this on all federal aid paving projects, and eventually we'd like to see it used on all projects. Roundabouts. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I was not a big convert to roundabouts right away. Uh, I grew up in in New England where we where we had rotaries back from the back from the 50s, and they were, and you tried to avoid them at all cost. But uh, but the modern roundabout is not the same as a rotary. It, it's, it's, a, it's an engineered design. There are a lot of them where I live now in Maryland, and uh, they've been, they are the preferred safety alternative for a wide range of intersections because you eliminate so many conflict points, and the conflict points that you still have are not any head-on or right-angle conflict points. So we think they should be considered for all new federally funded intersections and should be considered for all intersections identified as needing improvements. Now, we're not to say that every intersection is a good intersection to build a roundabout. What we would like to see is that roundabouts become institutionalized as one of the design types that is considered whenever you're building or rebuilding an intersection. One thing to be cognizant of is accessibility requirements. It does present some out-of-direction travel and some problems for pedestrians. It does present some problems for the disabled. So if you are in a high pedestrian area, you will have to do some, some special things. Or it could be that it's just not a good location for a roundabout. Left and right turn to stop controlled intersections. I noticed on the slide you were showing, Marianne, that uh, California, uh, Florida is, uh, is building more left turn, left turn lanes. Um, and this is not left and right turn lanes for the stopped condition. This is for the through movement at a stop-controlled intersection to get those vehicles out of the main traffic stream. Uh, they should be considered for, for the major road approaches, for three- and four-leg intersections with two-way stop control, factoring, volume, and, and crash history. What you need to consider if, if you have, a high, again, high pedestrian or, or high bicycle traffic there, it does present a wider roadway for those pedestrians to cross. Yellow change interval. We hear talk about uh, red light running. This is a red light running countermeasure. And it's particularly useful for those states who cannot get red light enforcement, uh, camera enforcement legislation. But the enforce, re reinforce, enforcing red light running through cameras without doing the engineering improvements necessary is, is what gives that practice a bad name. The first thing you should do is take care of your engineering problems. And one of them is the yellow change interval. We recommend that it be, that you set the change interval based on, it doesn't say it up here, but the 1985 ITE formula, which is being looked at right now for revision, taking into account you know, newer research on reaction times and, and deceleration rates for, for the vehicles out on the road right now. Um, and then, once you set it there, there are some locations where perhaps you may want to add another half a second or so if you have significant truck traffic, which have slower deceleration rates, and if you have a lot of older drivers who have slower reaction times. Or if, despite your best efforts, there's still a lot of people running that red light. There's probably something about that intersection that is causing that. And if you can't figure out what it is, this may give you some, some time to figure out what it is, or it may resolve the problem. The, the goal is to present the motorist with consistent yellow intervals so they know what to expect. So they're not jamming on the brakes only to find out that the light stayed yellow five more seconds, or they're proceeding on through only to find out that the yellow was a short yellow. 
pedestrian refuge areas. That was mentioned earlier. Tom, I believe you mentioned what they were doing in, in other countries. Um, we found this to be a, a great benefit for pedestrian safety, whether it's at an intersection or at a mid-block crossing. Uh, the benefits, of course, as Tom mentioned, is the pedestrians only need to cross one side of the road at a time. They don't need as big of a gap. They just need to look, they need half the gap. And they only need to look in one direction. And, of course, if you're in Australia or the Bahamas or England, you look in the correct direction, right, Tom? And, and we recommend that they be considered in curved sections of multi-lane roadways, particularly areas with a, with a lot of pedestrians and higher tra travel speeds. And they should be at least four feet wide. Eight is better to give pedestrians a sense of comfort, but you really need at least four to provide them with some protection. And last, last one I have of the nine is, is walkways. Uh, we recommend accessible walkways or pathways be provided in urban areas, period, on both sides of the road, particularly in school zones and around transit locations. And walkable shoulders be provided on both sides of the road in rural areas that are routinely used by pedestrians. We need to keep the pedestrians out of the road, and the further you keep them separated from traffic, the safer they are going to be. And so, I'm, see, I'm, I'm making up this time. I'm bringing in that, that anchor leg so we can get out of here on time. And uh, for more information, I, I encourage you to write down this, this website, and uh, this will take you right to that policy memo I was talking about and all of those nine attachments, which have a lot more detail than what I've mentioned here. And I believe eventually these, these are going to be put up, these presentations will be on the uh, SASHTO website. Absolutely. Yes, will. So you'll be all able to get it through there also. So that's all I have. Thank you, David. Like this. Before, we've got a, a few minutes, and the next session doesn't start for 30 minutes. So um, first, the tracking tool that I mentioned um, in my presentation, if any state is interest in it, interested in it, um, DOT will give it to you. If you contact me, I'll put you in touch with our IT department. I know some vendors have, have created um, their own tracking tools. Um, they cost money. Mine doesn't. It might cost you a little bit to adapt it to your state, but we will give it to you and all the code that goes with it. Um, we will have time for questions if you have any, but um, Tom wanted, to, wanted me to remind you that when we are finished that he would He'll have a one- or two-minute demonstration on that BioMotion uh, project that he mentioned, if anybody would like to stick around and see it demonstrated. 